friends. Welcome back to another episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Third Love Bras. God, it makes your cleavage look great. Sports Research. Listen, Sports Research is going to get me an Emily Ratajkowski body, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay? And uh, Rothy's Shoes, the most comfortable, stylish shoes. I'll tell you about all these later. Discounts included. All of the above. How are you guys doing? How's the how's the coronavirus scare? I, man, I don't know. At first I was like, I think everyone's like kind of freaking out too much. And now I'm like, I'm freaking out a lot because it just, oh my God. When they're starting to like, okay, so I'm in the desert right now in my parents' house here. And there is a huge tennis tournament every, uh, every year around this time. It's like one of the biggest tennis tournaments. It's like, uh, one of the big qualifiers for whatever they compete in in tennis. What is it? Tennis Cup, World Cup, mm, match, 40 love. I don't know, guys. But uh, what? It, dang it. What is the, like, the ultimate? What do you win? Wimbledon? I don't know. I'm going to stop talking now. But a uh, huge, huge tournament. And it was supposed to start yesterday. And all of a sudden, I'm like sitting in a restaurant. Uh, and they announced that it's canceled. And uh that is like a huge revenue thing. And I don't know for sure, but it sounds like there's rumblings that um, they might be canceling Coachella or postponing it until October, which I don't know how you guys are all going to keep your flower crowns fresh until then, you know, and uh, so much to think about. But it's it's crazy. It's really, really crazy. So I don't know. Hopefully stay safe out there. And uh, oh, I did hear a tip. So everyone is saying that um, like all hand sanitizer is sold out everywhere. I was talking to this couple at that same restaurant and they were saying that they talked to a pharmacist and a doctor and you can just um, get just like wet wipes and put uh, rubbing alcohol on them. And that's actually almost even stronger than hand sanitizing wipes or hand sanitizer. So, you know, like rubbing alcohol, that I think, you know, people put on like injuries and stuff just put that on wet wipes it works the same or maybe even better just a little tip okay um all right guys uh show dates uh super excited and we are not canceling shows due to coronavirus all right you know it pays to not be uh that well known so the venues you know only hold maximum of like 300 people that doesn't seem to be a threat (laughs) so my shows are still on uh, get your guys get your tickets at rachelobriancomedy.com backslash shows. Uh, I will be with uh, Kristen Doty on both of these in Boston and Long Island. Uh, same setup. I do like 20, 30 minutes of stand up. Oh, and Hannah Burner is joining us in the on the Long Island show. So she's going to open for me and then um, I'll do some stand up and then uh, we'll bring Kristen Doty up on stage and Kristen and I will do a live and interactive podcast. Um, And um, for any VIP ticket holders that want to come on stage and tell a true funny dating story and then play Never Have I Ever with us, please email me at info at rachelobriancomedy.com or you can DM me on Instagram at Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L-N, O'Brien, reads like Rachel O'Brien. And um, yeah, DM me uh, your story and uh, where you you have a VIP ticket purchased. And uh, one lucky winner in each city will get to come up on stage. And so uh, Long Island, uh, March 28th, it's two shows, an early show at 7.30 and then a late show at, I think, 9.30. Um, you can get tickets, like I said, rachelbryancomedy.com. And then uh, Boston, March 29th, one show there. It's going to be so fun. I've never performed in Long Island before. Super excited. Boston is one of my favorite cities to visit and perform in. So can't wait to see you guys there. And then... Uh, Las Vegas. I will not be with Kristen here. I will be at the uh, Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club with my friend Jill Kimmel and Jacqueline Marfuji. That is April 9th in Las Vegas. And I'll have uh, tickets up on that for my on my website soon. And looking to add some Texas dates. And yeah, I'll be in your city. I'm not afraid of a little coronavirus. And frankly, I'm thrilled, thrilled that the flights are so cheap. I'm like, I'm going to risk it to save a little, little cash. Um... <laughs> So, okay, super excited about this episode today. I'll get into it in just a second. Um, probably more excited, and I'm ashamed to say this, guys. You know, because you know me, I'm like pretty punk rock, you know. I just, I like really cool shit like that. 
not punk rock at all. I like old man music and, you know, murder and true crime. But I am so into The Bachelor this season. I'm so embarrassed. But I, I got hooked. I started watching it with my friends. And um, now I, you know, I'm actually by myself in the desert. And I'm going to watch tonight. It's the finale episode. I am very ashamed I'm this hooked. But it's hard not to be. Who's he? Well, Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, I mean, it looks like Maddie backed out, but then again, they said she might be coming back. Um, I, I, do, I don't know why uh, Pilot Pete's family acted like Maddie was somehow, like, ruining his life. That was a little dramatic that the mom was sobbing like that. I would be so embarrassed if my mom was acting, like, sobbing, like, just... It, he's going to be fine. We've all, we've all maybe made the wrong choice in dating or whatever. It's, it's okay. But her reasons were hilarious. She was like, she was like, basically like my son, my son likes to party and I don't, I don't want you changing his lifestyle or changing who he is or, you know, cause you're all religious or whatever. Like um, my mom would never sit someone down and be like, please don't stop my daughter from partying. <laughs> I feel like uh, Mama Pilot Pete might just be afraid she's going to lose a drinking buddy, you know? Or she doesn't want to feel judged by Maddie. She wants to be able to live her, you know, Sauvignon Blanc life and uh, not have the the watching, judgeful eyes of Maddie and God, you know? Anyways, I'm super excited to see what happens tonight. That's on in like an hour and can't wait. Um... But yeah, let's get to the podcast. Okay, so uh, we recorded this on International Women's Day. And as you guys know, March is Women's History Month. And I uh, have been... So (laughs) I do this all the time, especially with my podcast, where I underestimate how long it takes to do certain things. Like... I will be like, oh yeah, it's like only, you know, an hour to record and like I'll do like a couple hours of research before or, you know, research my guest and form it. No, it always takes three times as long as I think it's going to. I don't know why I always underestimate it and think that I can do 7,000 things in a day. Additionally, I always think it takes me less time to like record ads. Like everything I underestimate, I'm just like, yeah, it's easy breezy. No, it's a full-time job. But (laughs) for this podcast episode, I was like, okay, I have these five stories that I want to tell about these unsung heroes in women's history. And they're going to come from these all walks of life and all like areas and all these things. And um, I got through one on this episode. I'm telling my friend Kylie about one of my favorite stories of these young teenage heroes. But uh, yeah, I was the whole time I'm telling her like, okay, so I wanted to do like five, but I think we'll do two stories on this. No, it's it's one story and hopefully um, hopefully you guys enjoy it and you'll give me some feedback you can DM me again like I said on Instagram at Rachel and O'Brien and um, let me know if you're enjoying like hearing about these types of stories because um, I'd like to include a few more for the rest of the month just to highlight some amazing amazing women in history and motivate all of us to just be better and be badasses and be proud of ourselves and all the cool things we're capable of. So let me know if you're enjoying them. Um, and I'm still going to keep doing the, um, I want to keep doing the ongoing series about the TV so TV show scandals and the people that have led double lives. I have a list of those that, you know, I'm going to do, but I got kind of excited about the Women's History Month, so I veered off track for that. And um, I'm also going to continue the Epstein stuff. And um, I'm actually even going to, so... My, uh, I think, I think I maybe mentioned this on intro. I can't remember. My boyfriend's ranch in Colorado is only a couple hours from the Zorro ranch, the Santa Fe ranch of Epstein. And I plan to, my boyfriend's director too, um, go and interview a bunch of people in that town, try to get as close as possible to the ranch and get some incredible inside scoop for you guys. And, um, I'm going to put that up on a Patreon and I'll explain all that later, but hoping to do that within like the next month, like. I plan to do some crazy investigative journalist stuff and take that Epstein and that creep Ghislaine and all those people down without hopefully not having like a target on my head. Oh, well, (laughs) well, (coughs) excuse me, that kind of leads into the podcast of like, I was just about to be like, maybe I shouldn't do that. Like, no, you got to be brave. You got to be brave like Freddie and Truis and Hani. Uh, they are the subjects of this incredible story. Um, 
And I don't know if you guys are my favorite murder listeners, um, but I did first hear about this story on My Favorite Murder. Um, I, I, I tell different information, but, you know, hopefully hopefully you didn't hear that episode, or if you did, you're going to be excited to hear my take on it. Um, but then I just became obsessed. Like, I couldn't believe what I... like. I couldn't believe this story. And then I just became obsessed with like doing a ton of research about it. So really, really excited to share the story of these uh, Nazi resistance fighters that were teenage freaking girls. And it is cool. They, hey, they seduce and kill Nazis at the age of 14 and 16. And my guest today is my childhood BFF Kylie Johnson. Um, she lives here in the desert, and I just thought it would be fun to, you know, have someone, another female that I've known most of my life, be a guest in this honorary women's episode. So without further ado, it is myself and Kylie Johnson telling you guys the stories of Freddie, Tris, and Honey, some badass girls. I'm here with Kylie Johnson. Is this your third time on the podcast? I think so. Yeah? I think yeah. so, Yeah. So. But, like, I feel like the first few times we were doing... Was it, like, mostly wellness stuff? Probably more around wellness, like, energy, manifesting. Yeah, yeah. But this is, like, a similar type of topic in terms of, like, females, women, all that identify as such, uh, manifesting exciting, amazing lives through perhaps some sort of resistance um, because... This month is Women's History Month. I think it's like Women's International Day, too. Today is International Day. Yes. So we're recording, you know, ceremoniously on International Women's Day. Uh, this will be released like four days afterwards. However, it's kind of, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do it a whole, a whole month's worth, but I have so many stories I'm so excited about that I, I don't know. Who know Who knows, guys? Who knows? So yeah. And I thought it was very fitting to have my childhood, uh, one of my childhood BFFs. It's like you, Sabrina, Lindsay and Laura, Melissa. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Just throw them all in. Yeah. But like you and Sabrina, I see the most. So yeah. yeah. So people have known, well, I've known you the longest since we were like, what, five? Yeah. Preschool. And that would have been younger. No, pre we were four. Did we, I? We met, Kylie, in, I got, we met in preschool and then we were in kindergarten together. Like okay. it goes that far back. I know we went to kindergarten together, but I dropped out of preschool. Okay. For the two weeks that you were in preschool. Why did I drop? Why was I pulled out or dropped out? Do you have any reason for it? I got to ask know, my mom. My sister was a preschool dropout as well. So you and Carly are. Oh, well, now she's like an accountant <laughs> or whatever Carly does. I mean, she's doing just fine. Yeah. I was great in school. I am not doing anything that impressive with my career. <laughs> I, you know, I would just say we go back to childhood. That's the easiest okay, way to perfect. put it. Childhood. I really got to ask somehow, my mom though. Somehow we still get along. Of course. Could be our mutual love of food. Yes. Okay. So uh, while we, before we podcasted, we decided to start marinating our food that we're going to make afterwards. It's going to be a whole ceremonious thing. We're in um, uh, La Quinta at my parents' house. And guess what, guys? No parents. That means, hey, mom, I'm cooking in the kitchen. I know you asked me not to because you thought I was going to make a mess. Yes, one time I did stick a fork into a blender and I did shoot oil and mayonnaise and butter-based foods onto the ceiling. And yes, you had to have it repainted. I heard about that one. <laughs> uh, everyone has because even though it was like six or seven years ago, she won't stop telling people. So yeah, I'm in a little bit of trouble. But... But we're going to use the barbecue. Yeah, we're going to go outside, outside with the shrimp bomb. Okay? Okay. So anyways, I thought it would be really good for Kylie to be a guest on this episode because, again, International Women's Day, female empowerment, like women supporting women, old childhood friends, not being not being catty or jealous or shitty no. towards people you've known. Like I, lo like, I love a good story of... Okay, so we were talking about it earlier. Mm-hmm. First Wives Club, for example. Yes, the movie. that's like somewhat fictional. Yeah, the movie. But that is such a great story of a bunch of women who were scorned who then came together. That's one of my childhood favorites. It's such a good movie. Such so a good, good movie. So, okay. So, I came up with the idea of doing um, this podcast, uh, this episode, um, about... Stories, uh, I, I would say they're unsung heroes or unknown heroes. And I really, really tried to, 
you know, find stories or I, I am also redoing stories that maybe if you listen to some popular podcasts and you might know them through that. And that's kind of how I got clued in. Or maybe I heard about a certain subject and then I deep dove into it. Um, but about so I wanted to make it so my various sections, but I think we're probably only going to get through two. Um, but the overall theme is women who fought back. Mm-hmm. And eventually I will find a story that is worthy, like a first wives club, but I have not found one yet. That is women who were all scorned by the same man and then banded together as opposed to fought with each other. Mm-hmm. That one, I think I want, I just want to find it. Hey listeners, if you guys have a story, I almost like personal stories better than famous ones where it's like, no here, Hey, listen, this was my actual family member and this happened to like, I freaking that love that. Yes. And feel and I you can guest on the podcast I I would I I love I almost love personal stories more than famous ones mm-hmm. um because it's very hard to google like hey uh, a story of all women who that's more of like a word of mouth uh you know mm-hmm. something you tell someone over tea or wine or whatever not something that's really written about that much so that's one section that I'm not we're not going to cover today and then um, I wanted to do a section about um, an old Hollywood story in uh, the time where, I mean, we're not getting, we're not much better now, but we're getting there with hashtag me too. But a time where women were just supposed to be pretty little things on a shelf, not do anything other than be sex pots or whatever, but a story about a woman or women during that time who did something different. And I have, do have one for that. Her name is Ida Lupino. We may cover that here or it may be part two. But the two we're going to cover today are, so I wanted to do one that was uh, uh, a minority story, but not, okay, so I don't want it to be, I didn't want it to be like Rosa Parks or someone that you've already heard of, which she's amazing, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously. But someone that not everyone's heard of before, because you only get taught when you're in school. Kylie, who do you, who can you think of when you think of like uh, Native American stories or Black history or whatever? There's only a few names that come up that you know of, right? Yeah, Sahagawea. Sacagawea. Sacagawea. I was trying to say Sacagawea. I don't. I honestly don't. Sacagawea. I think that's how you say. Yeah. So that's a native, famous Native American woman. And then when you think of. Um, uh, black rights you think of like Martin Luther King or Rosa Parks like you don't Harriet Tubman like you but there's not a list of you know a hundred that you know of right yeah so I wanted to find a, a a good story like that and then I while researching I have a list of a bunch of them I think I will cover eventually but I was always very, very interested and inspired by the Stonewall riots. Okay, so when researching this topic um, and remembering stories that I've heard about, I was obsessed with, and I think you will be. So Kylie doesn't know these stories yet, uh, unless you do, unless you've done a lot of history research that I don't know about. But uh, not that I'm saying I have, but... uh, I didn't know about these until fairly recently because a lot of these things are not reported on because, hey, women were kind of shit on for a long, long time and still often are. I actually even had a conversation with my uh, my nanny, you know, mm-hmm. nanny. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, she did grow up very privileged and but it, I mean, she grew up du- during World War Two and 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 just in the era of of. Well, women were just supposed to be pretty and find a husband. And yeah, you got to go to school, but it was mostly to find... It was like the college of finding a husband. They were objectified. Yes, of course. And and they were sometimes sent to school, but it was... To find a husband. Yeah, like go to a school where there's a lot of good doctors and stuff, you know? So you can find a good person to marry you and take care of you because you couldn't possibly take care of yourself. So my nanny, I thought it was really interesting when I was researching this. I said to her, I was like, well what would you talk about when it came to this subject? And she said, um, when she was growing up, because that was what uh, women were supposed to do, and her own mom, well, you know, my little nanny is amazing, and she was so lovely, this Italian, but she was, her life was serving um, my great-grandpa. She she threw parties and had teas and lunches and things, and, like, always, it was always events and whatever, Um, which amazing that she had the luxury to do that Mm -hmm. right 
But my nanny, so my grandma, uh, grew up thinking she wanted more. She wanted to be more like her dad who got to study and like do politics and, and whatever. So she actually purposely like tried to dress like a boy because she had a very feminine, like a very uh, Sophia Loren figure mm-hmm. growing up in Italy. And so she would like dress down and because she really, she said she really just wanted to be a boy mm-hmm. because she wanted to be like her dad. She didn't want to have like a silly life. Kylie, did you, when you were growing up, what... I mean, you were very studious, but I don't. I don't know what what you thought. Like, w- what a woman should be. Well, I also have a strong love of Martha Stewart, so yes. I love to cook food and throw parties and make everything look beautiful. I really like an inviting home. Mm-hmm. So, in my mind, Martha Stewart was the ideal woman because she knew how to run a home. Until she went to prison for like, uh, <laughs> yeah, insider trading. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no, but I see what you're saying. Like, so you did aspire to be a homemaker. Yeah. Yeah, and I still love that type of stuff, even though I am very focused on my career and I love mm-hmm. being a career woman. Like, to me, to have a comfortable home and to be a good host, mm-hmm. that is what I believe a woman should be like. Okay. For so me, for me. For you, yeah. So th- that's interesting because I feel like we have not necessarily opposing views on it because I believe women should do that as well. And I, I love all those same things. But I think I hate that that's... I think if you choose, like you're saying, like you believe that and you like that, Mm -hmm. that's wonderful. But if that's your only choice, I think that's where, do you know what I mean? Where it's troublesome. I'm grateful we live in a time where women can focus on a career that's Mm -hmm. outside of the home. And if that's what they want to do and they find fulfilling, like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I just happen to enjoy the household tasks as well. Okay. Yeah. Same. Loved to cook, loved to clean, all, all that. Yeah. But, but we have the choice. And I think that's what makes it different nowadays. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you think you would be, well, I guess this is a weird question because I think you're, you're um, very uh, emotionally mature that you would be happy in any circumstance. I would make the best out of any way yeah. that my life was. But to phrase it as simply as I can, do you think you would be happy if your entire life you were just a homemaker and a wife and a mom and you never had a career I don't think I would be happy and it makes me sad thinking if that was my life because I think I would always strive for more because Mm -hmm. that's what that's my heart is telling me to do something and therefore I'm doing it Mm -hmm. and being a housewife and taking care of a home and a family and a husband that's not what my heart's telling me to do right now at some point in my life maybe Mm -hmm. but I feel so fortunate I live in America and it's this modern day and age where I can do a career in commercial real estate Mm -hmm. and go after what excites me yeah yeah I I I I can't say I would be happy. I mean, I think that like you, I would figure it out. But I think that that is what was hard for a lot of women for a long time is that was their only option and their only identity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the feeling of, oh, I'm not more than just to serve other people. And the pressure, so I was also talking to Nanny about this, the pressure of the woman in a certain time, and still it, it still is now. And, and frankly, I have to be honest, I buy into it too, where I have way more pressure on myself to, uh, diet, exercise, but actually I don't diet to be perfectly honest, but to stay in shape and look, to take care of myself more so than a man does because they, and honestly, I, I don't hold men to as high of a standard as I hold myself to, but the, so I was talking to Nanny about that and she was like, oh yeah, back in the day it was like, Women were, you were supposed to maintain, be thin, be always like perfect, but you're cooking and you have these kids and then you're there when the husband arrives and all these things. I'm remembering a moment. Did Nanny say she had a, was it a 22 inch waist or a 19 inch waist? Oh no, it was 18. 18 inches. Yeah, yeah. Listen, (laughs) well, she does still have a very good figure now. 
it's possible when she was maybe 11. Yeah. I don't know. No, I just remember don't. a term. It was less than 20 and that oh, was Oh, no, it was 17-inch waist. 17. 17-inch waist. Is that feasible? I've never had a 17-inch waist. Well, before. I was actually wondering this because I, I listened to this podcast called You Must Remember This about like Hollywood's first century and it's about like all like the old like Jean Harlow and all these actresses mm-hmm. and they're... It's so crazy because... In so many photos, their waists look so freakishly small. It looks like, but there's no way that only a certain body type like that existed at a certain point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like now, like, oh, all of a sudden people have butts that are like shelves. Like, nah, that's a weird new bu- I'm guessing it was like corset type stuff. Like, Probably. Like, there's no, I, there's only a few people ever that I've ever known that have large chests at like a teeny, teeny, tiny waist. Like, I mean, we both have hourglass figures ourselves, but they're proportionate. Like, I don't know what I would be, but it would be not that. Like, that's so yeah, not freakish. Yeah, 17-inch waist. I'm, I would be lucky if mine was 26 <laughs> inches. I, I don't know. But you know what I mean? The, the... I, I feel like that was like a, something they were wearing or like a camera trick. I don't know. Unless they only employed women that had that body type. That was that the only photos it. that were taken. I I don't know. But anyway, so yeah. So Nanny. Nanny's uh, always been into aesthetics. Uh, no, well, not necessarily because she, she, she is. But, but remember I was saying that she also um, wanted to be a man basically when she was younger. Mm. You guys know I have a major obsession with third love bras. They make me feel so slim and so sexy. I am just obsessed with them. Third Love does bras differently. They believe that every woman deserves to feel comfortable and confident every day. With the right kind of support, they help her do this. And their bras are designed to fit you, not the other way around. Crazy, huh? Designed with measurements from millions of women, their bra stylers are made to fit your life. They have over 80 bra sizes, but know that the only one that matters is yours. So here's what you do. You take their really fun Fit Finder quiz, which I really enjoyed, and it takes like 60 seconds to do, and over 15 million women have taken the quiz to date, and it's super fun. And did you know that breast shape matters when finding a good fit? I did not know that, and now I can totally see why their bras are the most flattering bras ever, because they take breast shape into consideration. So Third Love helps you identify your breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body. And they have a perfect fit promise. So every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate to a woman in need. But you're not going to want to return it. You're, it is going to be the most slimming, sexy, flattering bra you'll ever own. Plus, I love their panties too. And Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. And the fit stylists are available to help via chat or email. And returns and exchanges are free and easy. And they're super comfortable. Hands down the most comfortable bra you'll ever own. They have straps that won't slip, tagless labels, no itching. They're lightweight. And Third Love gives back. Third Love donates all of their gently used return bras to women in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. So far, Third Love has donated over $15 million in bras. And Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Just go to thirdlove.com slash be here now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash be here for 15% off today. Like I was saying, I, I definitely feel, you know, the pressure to be attractive and I don't hold men to that same standard. Like... I will easily date someone that's overweight. Like, it does not bother me at all. It really doesn't. Uh, I mean, I, I I can accept that even more than I, I can accept someone that has, like, 12-pack abs or whatever. Like, it, it just doesn't... Well, personality is really important. Yes, but there was a certain time where women's personalities, I don't think, really mattered. That's true. Yeah. And they I think they, they matter more now. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay... So I guess we're we're painting the picture of that day and age, and, and we hope that it's gotten better. But there are some standout stars from that day and age, and that's the first story that I want to tell you. Mm-hmm. It is the story of Freddie and Tris Overstegen. And guys, I apologize. I'm going to pronounce names wrong, and anything, you just bear with me. I'm doing my best. Freddie and Tris. 
over Stegen and their friend, Hani Shaft. Okay. So I think this is one of the coolest stories that I have heard in the longest time of just like, first of all, that they were women. Second of all, that they were teenagers. So I don't know why I said women. Let's call them females or girls. They were not women. They were, but pretty much had the mental capacity of older women and the maturity. So have you ever heard of them, Kylie? I, I, this is a new story for me. Okay. So, right before uh, World War II broke out, and I don't know, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not going to give you the whole backstory of why World War I led into World War II, and because I don't fully know it, but I know that uh, the, the Germans were, they were a little bit downtrodden. And um, I think Hitler came in at a time where it was like, hey, let's just blame one type of person, which we often do do in Mm -hmm. all of history of like, hey, this is why my life sucks because this person is somehow has more than me or they're the bad people or they're the dirty people or the poor people, whatever, like. We do that as because we don't want to. We were talking about this earlier. We don't want to take responsibility. Nope. No one wants to look inside themselves and be like, what could I do better? You just want to be like, give me your take on that, Kylie. I think the human psyche is more likely to try to find fault or blame outside of themselves because mm-hmm. it's easier to pro- pro- uh, project any insecurity that you have or mm-hmm. unhappiness that you have onto another being than it is to be introspective and to look at yourself and think, huh, maybe I need to change the way I think about this or maybe mm-hmm. I need to change the way that I'm acting. That would be taking responsibility and in general, humans don't like taking responsibility. No, 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 no one wants to be like, oh, <laughs> you know what? It's my fault that uh, I have, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like I'm, I'm not where I want to be in life. Most likely it's your fault. Many extenuating circumstances come into play, but actually... Oftentimes there's people that can't necessarily get out of their situation or they can, but they're in dire straits more than other people. But you have to think about the only thing you can really change is yourself. And the way that you view things. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So you agree with me Mm -hmm. that that um, perhaps might have been, or Hitler's just a freaking monster, which he absolutely is. Mm -hmm. Just an absolute horrible, horrible, short man's complex, angry pissed off monster yeah yeah okay good so we all agree we all agree mm-hmm. listeners mm-hmm. cool if you don't i don't know then hopefully you're you shouldn't be listening to this podcast and i hope you never know me um so so shortly before world war ii broke out there was uh and and they had a they had a dad before but the the mom and him divorced so it was just the mom and uh freddie and truis overstegen and they uh, lived in the Netherlands, and their their mom uh, definitely instilled in them incredible like an incredible moral compass. Uh, the The fight in you that you you see someone struggling, and you see like mass you know hysteria and bad things towards something that you know is not right or it's connected to racism and things like that Mm -hmm. and she taught her daughters like nope you fight you fight against that right and so before the war even started there was already this kind of like propaganda going on Hitler was you know trying to blame the Jews for everything but he wasn't even trying only trying to blame the Jews it was he was it was anyone that was disabled or or did was a trouble to society maybe gay any anything that he didn't deem to be what he considered perfect which i wish he would have looked in the mirror i mean <laughs> certainly he was no prize correct not my prize he's no no one's prize um so so they kind of had noticed obviously that this 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 uprising was happening and this bad thing was happening and so even before the war broke out they started uh, taking in uh, Jewish families, Jewish refugees, all, all these people, because they were like, this can't happen. This isn't okay. And so they also were defacing, like, Nazi propaganda. And they, like, 
so like there would be all this stuff on the you know on the streets all these like flyers and stuff being put out and they would deface it which seems like oh that's very minor but that was at a time where they could have been killed if they were caught doing that and again these are teenage girls 14 and 16 and their and their mom was teaching i thought do you think it's pretty cool that they she was teaching them yeah because it's important to think for yourself and not just follow the crowd yeah dangerous but cool so obviously they were influenced by a strong moral compass and the bravery of their mother and so um in 1940 when the nazis invaded the netherlands the girls and their mother were were already doing this they were distributing anti-nazi newspapers um and risking being killed for that they the the girls also gave up their bedroom to or the mom had them uh to you know house uh jewish families and refugees wow yeah and so this attracted the notice of uh the council of resistance i'm not going to try to do this guy's name i'm going to try but i'm sorry guys commander franz vander it looks like wheel but i'm going to go it's like veal Mm-hmm. I apologize so wholeheartedly, and I don't know. Anyways, so this attracted this this um, this council commander to to be like, I think that these these girls could be part of the resistance. And so, with their mother's permission, the girls joined the council of resistance uh, at the ages of uh, Freddie was fourteen and Truce was sixteen wow. years old, and. Because and it was great. And oh, uh, by the way, at at this time the resistance was only seven people strong. Seven. Oh, seven banding together <laughs> yeah, seven. against Hitler. Yep. And um, when I say that these two uh, girls were the first women, it, they were children. Mm-hmm. What were we doing at fourteen and sixteen? I was running cross country. Yeah, I was playing softball. Occasionally going to like a party in the woods. Uh, dating. I had crushes. Yeah. Yeah. Simple, boring stuff that we probably thought was so important. It was like every 17 magazine quiz I could take to tell me what was going on in my life. That was Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Well, think about these girls were literally, they joined a resistance at that age, which they were told they were going to learn military training to fight the Nazis. Can you imagine if that was told to you at 14? I can't. <laughs> what do you think you would say? Um, I I really just, it, I can't even comprehend. I mean, at this age, I might be better equipped to handle <laughs> that type okay. of... In your early 30s, if someone said it to you, what would you... Um, okay, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's I'm really, on board. That's actually really funny because actually one of the sisters did say very something very similar to that. Because I think maybe you're just like, it's like a fight or flight thing. And you're just sort of like, okay, yeah. Yeah. And I hate what, I hate that these Nazis are ruining, I mean, they had already seen. It's sickening. It's, it's, it's probably, I mean, there's been so many mass genocides that are not uh, covered in history. But let's just say the one that we mostly know about in, in our frame of knowledge it's so horrific, it's hard to even comprehend. Mm-hmm. It's like your brain doesn't even want to go there. I'm having flashbacks to us going to the Holocaust. Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Was it a museum showing? It was something when we were very young and it was like traumatizing. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't like a standalone museum. They had like a pop-up sort of thing in it our town. It was a pop-up. And, Holocaust. Uh, yes, I, we, I think we both cried for days. Like I remember were being... We eight? We were maybe too young. To, well, who knows? You know what? I was going to say we were too young to comprehend, but no. there were little tiny children being killed. In the, so, yeah. Yeah. But our very privileged brains were that horrified. Horrified. It's absolutely horrifying. So to be 14 and 16 years old and be in resistance to it. I kind of think I'd have been into it. Kind of like you were like, all right. Well, you just don't know any better. But I think, yeah, I think I would have been like, fuck yeah, I'll kill some Nazis. Like, this is horrible. Like, you don't get to get away with yeah, doing I'm that. I'm very th- strong in my morals, and I'm very grounded and rooted in them. And mm-hmm. if someone is doing something against them, then yeah, I'm going to stand up for what I believe is right. Yeah. 
even if it's you're 14 and <laughs> you're supposed to be going to homecoming or whatever. So, um, okay. So they were recruited like pretty much right before the Nazis occupied the Netherlands and many other places that they occupied. And so they didn't actually get to the, get to get the full military training that they were supposed to get to do this. They mm-hmm. did, um, basically, uh, truest told a reporter, um, that they had the time to just learn to shoot and to shoot Nazis. And that was what they were pretty much. With they had the guns. Time. Yeah. Not with arrows. Or well, I, <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like, are they handheld guns? Are they rifles? Like what type of guns? <laughs> okay. You're going to, no, it's fascinating. You're going to hear handheld, I think. Okay. Um, so, so yeah. So then they sat them down. They were like, well, uh, we got to just get on this now. And they're like, this is what you're going to do. And one of the sisters was like, well, I guess that's something I've never done before. So, yeah. okay. New experience. Yeah. Living life. Yeah. Guys, sports research products are taking my fitness journey to the next level. Do you want to know why? Because of their incredible product, Sweet Sweat, and their waist trainer. Okay. So Sports Research, they are makers of the best-selling collagen peptides on Amazon, which I love. They also taste delicious. Put them in yogurt. You know, you're going to you're going to you're going to feel the effects of the your skin and hair and nail. It's all great. Um, but they also want to celebrate their 40th anniversary with you and help enhance your workout with their flagship product Sweet Sweat. Okay, I'm obsessed with it. I honestly felt I saw a difference pretty much after the first time of using it because it okay so many of you already make exercise a priority right but sweet sweat helps you take your workout to the next level by targeting slow to respond areas and for me that's my stomach and sweet sweat may help increase sweating during exercise giving you your best workout yet like I felt like my stomach was tighter and and uh it 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 helped to reduce you know just any puffiness and it takes energy to sweat and the more energy most people might think and like all energy consuming processes, sweating helps burn calories. Sweet sweat might sound intimidating, but it's super simple. Simply apply the gel to the slow to respond area. So again, for me, it was like my stomach or like kind of like in my back area before you work out and you proceed as normal. Plus, sweet sweat workout enhancing gel comes in a variety of scents. There's original coconut and citrus mint, so you can maximize results in the gym without letting any unwanted odors get in the way. I also feel like it kind of makes me like, like I'll put it on like my arms and stuff. So when I like go jogging outside, it's like gives me a nice glow. You know, I feel like it makes me prettier. I don't know. Um, for best results, use Sweet Sweat in combination with their best-selling waist trimmers. Soon to be offered in four fun new colors just in time for summer. So they're going to be doing these cool neon colors. You're going to be super into it. And I I literally go jogging, walking, whatever, outside with my cute waist trimmer on and my Sweet Sweat. And I don't know. I feel like it looks cute. I feel like it's like a little corset, you know? So join the thousands of people who are achieving their fitness goals with Sweet Sweat and meet your motivation today. After all, it's just not a workout unless you break a good sweat. And if you go to sportsresearch.com and use the code BEHERE at checkout right now, you'll get 20% off your order. That's 20% off site-wide at sportsresearch.com with code BEHERE at checkout. Sports Research, your one-stop shop for a lifetime of performance, health, and wellness. And come on, guys, just in time for summer. Let's all get in shape together. All right. So they were basically like, yeah, well, I've never done this before, and uh, okay. And so, uh, you know, amongst the Resistance Army of Seven, uh, them, <laughs> these two teenage girls set off to do their best to take down the Nazis. Now, here's why they were so successful at it, though. Um, they, again, are young girls. So who's going to think that two girls riding around on their bicycles are a threat, right? It just looks like, oh, they're out for a joyride. Well, what the uh, you know Nazi officers didn't know is that their joyride was not the type that other teenagers were. They um, had handguns in the baskets of their bicycles, right? Mm-hmm. And so they would, um, instead of just riding around like normal kids do, they were stalking and following um, these Nazi officers. So when the government or the Nazi whatever would announce like a new officer or something, they would keep tabs on it and then they would figure out who they were and then follow them basically. 
and um, pretty much because it could be very inconspicuous when a little girl with braids in her hair on a bicycle is kind of lures a guy away and kills him. They, they kind of get they no one notices yeah. if they if they do it you know inconspicuously enough, which they did for a very very long time. Now. They also um, uh, blew up like railways and stuff. Like they, they they were operating dynamite and doing stuff like that. Oh my like, gosh! As children, is okay. There... So my my niece is fourteen right now. I can't imagine being like, "Yo, Bella, hey, if you could just go blow up this railway, and then, God, if you see a Nazi soldier, could you also just shoot him and just don't let anyone it... know, and then just ride off on your bike and be home by dinner?" Is there an account of how many Nazis that they took down? So they won't, they don't actually say. Mm. And that, so later in their life, they said, um, we are soldiers and all soldiers, they never say they're like kill amount. Mm. But these women, well, they they were women labor, obviously. And they, they, they lived until they were, one was 92. Oh, they were both 92. One died right before her 93rd birthday. So wow. yeah. Um, Hani did not. So you'll hear about her, but, um, the two sisters lived to be in their 90s. And the 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 sad thing is they had a very hard time with it afterwards. And they, they, they didn't, they didn't, they said it never gets easier. Like you never, you don't want to kill someone. Like you don't, but they had seen all these horrible things the Nazis were doing to all these people. They, they obviously had they to They wanted do, to fight back. Yeah. But they, they were tortured by, the thought of even the, having the fact that they had killed someone like it one of them I think there's a quote somewhere where um she had shot one of them and her human instinct was to oh my god let me go help and help them survive it was like a because they're kind humans like mm-hmm. you know they, they said basically like only a real criminal can just do that and not feel something you know so so basically, so so they're they're doing this, and um, kind of like their second wave of it was that they would get all dressed up, they'd get all like sexy and look really pretty or whatever, and then they would go to these like bars and taverns where uh, the Nazi officers hung out, and they would seduce them. Mm. It's brilliant, right? Love it, right? See that this is where like femininity kind of comes into play, where it's like it's a power. It's kind of great being a woman. Yeah, I always have thought this was really funny. So this comes into play, and I think I've talked about it on other podcasts with, um, like, um, there's something called the honey trap, um, and that's sort of what people say, like maybe Epstein was doing to people, where these high level politicians were partying with him and. Uh, hooking up with whoever he provided them with and then he was videotaping it or whatever and then obviously they're not going to say because they don't know they're being videotaped um obviously they're not going to say anything because their whole lives could be ruined right mm-hmm. um and this was a thing that was done during like the cold war and stuff where they would have um women uh like poses like prostitutes or whatever and then manipulate spies and things and i always just think it's so funny where i'm like oh oh you're a high-ranking official but you're so dumb and so weak that just one woman can be like, hey, let me just fondle you and you'll give away government secrets. And like, you're you're that weak. I guess it comes down to human nature. Totally. Yeah. But but that's what's kind of funny of like and you were saying earlier, like women are kind of the greater sex right now and maybe always women, have been. Women just have a lot of innate power it's how we choose to use our power Mm -hmm. and I feel that right now with this whole women's movement and like you remember being in school and Mm -hmm. it being ingrained in us that if you want to be successful if you want to do well in life you have to apply yourself yeah and the honor society and the key club and all these clubs Mm -hmm. they were mostly girls that is true, actually, because it was because we had to try harder had to try harder. Yeah. So now and both of us were like major overachievers, like intense honor society. We had to. It was just yeah. like in our nature. We had to do it. Yeah. So now we're actually seeing where a lot of women are CEOs and are in these positions of power because they've worked so hard that mm-hmm. I don't view women as like a weaker sex or a less dominant sex. We just have a different skill set and 
power that's allowed us to get to where we are Mm -hmm. and men have a different skill set a different power it's all just how you use it well and I agree with you but would you say that um uh, men's power was more handed to them I'm talking about white men I'm not talking about all men because that's so their power was more handed to them and we had to finagle our way sort of you know to the own the power we have now I would agree with that but I think what you're saying too is that we kind of know how to hang back and the it has use our power in a, a strategic way as opposed to just like I need this and I want it now like it's yeah, uh, I would- I would say that women can be manipulative in a good way and mm-hmm. manipulative in a poor way. It's how you choose to use it. Mm-hmm. And when you study energy, feminine energy, male or um, masculine energy, mm-hmm. you can start putting those practices into play in your life. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just all how you choose to use it. And over the years, women have gotten very clever with how they used their femininity, mm-hmm. their feminine power. And sometimes they did it to bring down... Nazi soldiers. (laughs) Nazi soldiers or men of power who were corrupt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of cool. Like, I know it can be viewed as like, oh, that's so manipulative or whatever. But listen, women have been put down and manipulated for so long Mm -hmm. that it's kind of cool to hear about a 14 and 16 year old girl, girls who had the balls to get all dressed up. And they were probably like closer, like 17 and I don't know, whatever, or 15 and 7 whatever they obviously got older during this time because it was for the course of a few years years. yeah but had the balls to be like I'm gonna get dressed up I'm gonna go into this bar I'm gonna have a one-on-one conversation with someone who's probably at least 10 years older than me and be ballsy enough to be so what they would do so they would do that and then they would say they wanted to like go for like a a, like a late night stroll the guy's probably like all right we're gonna go hook up right Mm -hmm. and then they would take them into the woods and they would shoot them so good it's so good have you heard about this company making stylish sustainable shoes and bags made for life on the go and they're carefully crafted with eco-friendly materials like repurposed plastic water bottles and marine plastic. That's incredible. And because Rothy's shoes are so incredibly comfortable, they have zero break-in period thanks to the seamlessly knit design. And then they are truly the most comfortable shoes. As you guys know, I'm a big walker. I can go six, eight miles all day long in my chic, adorable Rothy's shoes because they are so comfortable and they're perfect for any adventure. So Rothy's come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns. Rothy's are available in a range of styles and they launch new colors and patterns every few weeks and they sell out constantly. I love the sneakers. I love the pointed toe shoes. Rothy's shoes are seamlessly knit, like I said, made with thread from plastic water bottles so they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on That's right, zero break-in period. And one Yahoo editor recently called them the most comfortable flats I've ever owned. Plus, Rothy's always come with free shipping and free returns. And Rothy's has kept 50 million single-use plastic water bottles out of landfills and transformed them into their signature thread, which is then knit into beautiful, sustainable products. Another major bonus, Rothy's are fully machine washable. So every time they need a refresh, you can simply toss them in the washing machine. Keeping it clean just got a whole lot easier. And Rothy's owns and operates their manufacturing workshop where they prioritize sustainability every step of the way. Plus, all Rothy's ship directly in their box, no unnecessary packaging. I'd love for you guys to try them out. Check out all the amazing shoes and bags available right now at rothys.com slash be here. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash be here. Comfort, style, and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. Head to rothys.com slash be here today. And the first one, the first of the two girls to actually kill someone was Freddie, who was the younger sister. So then... Okay, so that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of during the mix of this, um, another girl named Honey Shaft, Honey Shaft, um, 
enters the picture. So Hani was um, like a university student at this time. And the resistance picked up on her because during this time, they were having all university students sign um, basically their allegiance to the Nazi party. They were like, you have to sign this and say like you're... And she was like, fuck that. And left school she was like i'm not signing that i no. and so the resistance picked up on her and they were like hey do you want to join our little club and so she did and she became best friends with uh freddie and truis and uh, she was obviously a little older because she was in university and the interesting thing or important thing about honey is she had red hair Hmm. so she began doing the same things that the other sisters were doing right um Riding around on a bike, you know, going to the bars, luring the Nazi officers. But because she had red hair, it kind of made her distinct in the Mm. sense of the Nazi officers and the Nazi party obviously started to realize like, oh, okay, so several officers have been murdered randomly in the woods and whatever. And who's doing this? Right. And well, no one's obviously going to be like, I don't know, it's probably some teenage girls. But there started to become like a rumor, it started to be circulated, there was a girl with the red hair. Oh my gosh. And so that sort of just started like it was like a rumbling around. And then one day in, uh, the time would be, um, uh, in March of 1945. So the uh, Nazis had already occupied the Netherlands for five years at that point. So March 1945, um, Hani was on her bike and she was stopped by um, some Nazi officers. And because they were like, all right, young girl with red hair. Interesting. And so they ended up like searching her and they, they checked her bicycle basket and they found uh, some documents because they were also, um, I don't know if they were forging documents. They were doing something to help um, Jewish uh, people hide and whatever. So they found some documents and um, a gun and then they started questioning her and they realized that she was the girl with the red hair that was participating in this and horribly and sadly she was uh tortured and then killed oh my um yeah a few weeks later so on april 17 1945 which sadly was only 18 days before the netherlands was eventually liberated from the nazi party so just I thought you were telling us good stories. Well, no, well, her, see, well, some people have to sacrifice for, I mean, it's, it's horrible. She died for a good cause. Yeah, she did. I don't I mean, like this part of the story, though. I don't either. I know. But, I mean, I think, I think if you're, I think they knew going into it, though, that they were entering incredibly dangerous territory. And I think it was just, they did what they had to do. And she was a beautiful soul for doing it. Um, yeah, so, so then obviously the war ended and, um, Freddie and Truis, uh, obviously had incredible PTSD after Mm -hmm. this. They also lost their like new best friend and this whole whatever. Um, and they've never, like I said, they've never said how many people, like people have asked them like how many Nazis they've killed and they won't say, and they also don't speak necessarily proudly of it. They... I would use the term desperate times call for desperate measures. Yes. Yes, exactly. And they say there's an actual quote that they said. um, uh, Let's see. So they they both uh, dealt with like PTSD, depression and the trauma of, you know, obviously killing people and uh, the experience of the war caused them insomnia. And uh, Freddie recalled this. I told you earlier, she recalled seeing a person she'd shot fall to the ground and having the human impulse to want to help him. And she said, um, we didn't feel it suited us. Well, it's actually true. It said this. We did not feel it suited us. Um, it never suits anybody unless they are real criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, but they both lived to be 92. Um, and they, you know, went on to have families and, and, um, you know, but the sad thing is for much of their long lives, the Netherlands failed to properly recognize the women's achievement, achievements and sideline them as communists and whatever. Um, but then in 2014, they eventually received the national recognition for their service for their country, receiving, um, you know, uh, a war mobilization cross and, you know, mm. the, the 
and there's been movies made about books written about them. Um, That's great. Yeah. And so they, they got their time, but it's kind of sad to think about the major sacrifices they made and, and especially Hani, obviously. Um, and it was pushed down and brushed under the rug sort of because it was, it didn't fit into some sort of mold of, but th- they did a far more brave thing than any grown man could do. And mm-hmm. they were teenage girls. They had balls. They really did. Like, I want to raise, if I ever have the gift to have kids, I want to raise my kids to have those kind of balls and that kind of moral compass. Mm-hmm. And it was taught to them by their mom. Their mom taught them to do this. Yeah, sorry it was a little depressing, but... It's mostly just about the, the red-haired honey. Yeah, I... Yeah, I think I think it was just she had a, a distinguishing characteristic that, and, but, I mean, I don't think there's any way that you go into that. I mean, when I was saying earlier when they were you know defacing the Nazi propaganda or whatever, they knew that could be punishable by death. Like mm-hmm. they knew going into it that this could happen. However, I think for them, it was like watching millions of people being mass genocide. It was like, what type of person does just sit back? I wouldn't be able to sit back. Yeah. So I think, I mean, Hani obviously died doing something incredible and that changed, you know, the course of, I'm sure, many, many people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways... I was going to do two stories, but we're already at 45 minutes on this one. I think it's amazing that you told me we were going to recount five stories in a podcast I know, episode. I know. This one was a lot. <laughs> I know. I see. I, I, I was, I was, well, the other one I want to do, maybe, maybe while I'm here in the desert, we'll do the, the second story I was really excited about, which was Marsha P. Marcia P. Johnson, um, who was a big spearheading person in the LGBTQ community and the Stonewall riots, but whatever, maybe, maybe later in the week we'll have time for it. You know, the great thing about history, hmm. it's not going anywhere. No, no. Stay in. Stay in. And now we get Stay to, in is history. now we get to make our food and relax and watch. We're going to watch a little 90 day fiance, Oh my gosh, I'm which so is its own historical feel, issues of I mean I feel like we could do a 90 day fiance podcast and just talk and express our stressors that we feel while we're watching the show and it gives me real anxiety like I I don't think I'm someone that suffers from daily anxiety I think I have situational for sure um, milestones would say that's about the only thing I was diagnosed with situational anxiety um but watching a show like 90 Day Fiance, I cannot watch alone. It gives me such severe, like, I need to look at you, because we started watching it together. I need to look over and be like, are we watching, are we seeing this? I know, I know. I, I have, I've always been very empathetic, as your mother yeah. is as well. And um, and I am as well. You, <laughs> Cindy talks about it more. I mean, Cindy talks about being so empathetic. and She I, loves to brag. When I, when I watch the shows, like... I feel like I'm the person on the show. That's why I had to give up watching The Bachelor years ago. Mm-hmm. I was so stressed for the contestants on The Bachelor that mm-hmm. I couldn't handle watching the show. And 90 Day Fiance is similar, but I have to tell myself. Oh, I think it's to a whole nother level. I have to tell myself, like, this is probably scripted. This probably it's, isn't real. It's not. I think it's. I That's think, how I cope with I would, 90 Day Fiance I would Fiance say stress. some of it might be scripted, but I think some of it's pretty real. I don't know. I just think that people have so much hope and desperation mm. for love. But isn't hope are, kind of a good thing? Not when you're like spending thousands of dollars true, that you don't true. have on someone across I'm the, saying the world. In- the inherent uh, part of hope that is what is great. I mean, yes, but it's when hope crosses into desperation yeah. and not um, being self-aware enough to know that this person's giving me the clues that this is probably not working out. The, yeah. Okay. When someone says that the camera for FaceTime doesn't work, are you talking about the uh, girl in Russia and is it Tariq? No. 
No, not trig. So there's a girl on this new season, a woman, uh-huh. and she has like five grown children. And her boyfriend allegedly is from England, but his accent is not oh, an English accent. Interesting. But he <gasps> says, I cannot wait to watch. He says that they can't FaceTime or video chat with the the camera. So they've never seen each other. They've on never video, seen each other. Ever. And she's it's- flying there. She's flying to see, the UK to see him. It's just unsafe. I know. I know. I, That's the thing that blows my mind about this stuff where it's like, well, maybe because you have a camera crew following you, but obviously people do this without a camera crew, meaning like there's no third party to witness and make sure they're not going to be murdered. But like, n- n- no, I, no, I will not go across the, the world to meet someone I've never met in person, have them pick and stay at their house. And we've, especially if I have not videoed with, I don't. No. I think that the show is so enthralling because the stakes are so high. Yeah. You know, you got to figure out if you're going to get married in 90 days. And also because a normal individual probably is not going to do what the people on the show do. But you never know what your new normal might be when you become maybe des- like desperate. I mean, I've made a lot of dumb, dumb dating choices because I just was at a certain point like, Oh yeah, no, but like it's not a big deal that they don't really work and they're able-bodied and in their late twenties. Like, whatever. Like, it's probably some emotional issue. Like, you know, you make concessions because you just kind of get a little desperate. So you never kind of know. It's hard. Ho- it's hard to take your. I mean, these are extreme cases for sure. And it's TV. It's, it's hard it's to TV. yes, and it, but it's hard to take yourself out of when you're in a situation to be like. Oh, this is weird. This is not a good idea. Because you go so far down. Yeah. And it becomes your new normal. So I've learned from watching 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days, after the 90 days. (laughs) All of them. 90 days from now, 90 days in the spring. I don't know. From from watching all of it, I have learned I am not going to go on to an international dating site because I don't think it's going to end well. No. Regular dating sites don't end well. For the most part. I mean, sometimes I do. Anyways, well, Kylie, thank you for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for telling me about Hani and Truis and Freddie. Yes. Some amazing women in history who deserve much applause. Right? Yeah. It's sad that they didn't get a lot. Like, I was so excited when I first heard the story. I was like, what the? It's crazy. And there are so many more stories of incredible women that we just all don't know about yet. But... Yeah. Well, thank you, Kai Kai. Thanks, Ray Tell Ray. everyone where they can find you on the socials. Uh, I am on Instagram, Kylie, K-I-L-E-E, Johnson. And that's it. I was going to like, nah, everyone knows how to spell Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, J-O-H. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, well, I love you, Kai Kai. Love thank you. you. Happy International Women's Day. Yay.